Welcome to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. Our program is designed to offer solutions to those individuals with exceptional needs, plus families, professionals, and educators. Dr. Sean and his guests will share ideas that you can begin using immediately in order to promote a harmonious relationship and move forward. Now, here is your host, Dr. Sean Surface. Well, good morning, Voice America, and welcome back to Solutions and Strategies, Living the Challenge with Dr. Sean. I want to welcome you back this morning, and I hope that you've had a good week and had a chance to celebrate some of those successes while you continually are working on your challenges that we have in our daily lives. Uh, This week, I really want to continue our series on acceptance and commitment therapy. We've had several weeks uh, beginning to look at mindfulness and We started to look at some of the aspects of ACT, acceptance commitment therapy. But, you know, and last week or last time I brought up uh, several concepts. One was psychological, excuse me, I seem to have a frog this morning, psychological flexibility. Another is functional contextualism and cognitive diffusion. And we really didn't get very much past psychological flexibility. And I, I really feel like I need to kind of reestablish what that is also in looking at that concept this morning. So flexibility is a, and we're looking at psychological flexibility and how this affects all, all of us. Flexibility is a personality trait that describes the extent to which a person can cope with challenges and changes in circumstances and think about problems and tasks in a novel and in creative ways. This trait is used when stressors or unexpected events occur, requiring a person to change their stance, outlook, or commitment. Flexible personalities should not be confused with cognitive flexibility which is the ability to switch between two concepts as well as simultaneously think about multiple concepts. So when you have cognitive flexibility, yeah, you can move your attention from thing to thing. You can think about different topics. Psychological flexibility is a little bit different because you have to take into account a lot of your past history and things that have affected you. So we'll we'll, we'll be talking more about it. So flexibility or psychological flexibility, as it's referred to, is the ability to adapt to situational demands, balance life demands, and commit to behavior. Now, one of the things in regards to psychological flexibility and where you see it first, you know, appearing or or affecting us is in our childhood. And, And how does our parent handle certain conflicts that occur. Do they immediately become angry? Do they deal with issues well? What kind of, of parent-child relationship is there? Research has shown that relationships between parent and child distress may be influenced by parent psychological flexibility. When parents are psychologically inflexible, they cause more stress in their families. A similar study looked at long-term relationships between parenting styles and psychological flexibility over a six-year period. Results show that psychological flexibility decreased with age, illustrating that as children grow older, they become more set in their thoughts and habits, being less likely to change them due to circumstances. 
And that's really interesting because, you know, a kid can start off pretty tabula rasa, blank slate. It's only when we start to model as an adult problem solving around that child that in this, in this sense is inflexible that we often see uh, 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 challenges for the kid later in problem solving. So, you know, you have this kiddo that has grown up in a situation where parents can't deal with stressors, they can't deal with life demands, so they're often upset or controlling, and then the child grows up and doesn't really realize or recognize how to problem solve. Uh, and in fact, they might learn to problem solve by becoming even more inflexible themselves. And we're going to get into how uh, we well, how we work with that inflexibility. Results also indicated that authoritarian parenting styles predicted low psychological flexibility in children. This demonstrates that parents who are over-controlling of their children tend to restrict how well their children cope with stressors in life. Lastly, results show that children with psychological flexibility in ninth grade were more likely to have decreases in authoritarian and increases in authoritative parenting styles later. Authoritative parenting styles seem to be associated with psychological flexibility in children. Authoritative parents tend to be more warm, fair, and encouraging than other parent style, parenting styles, which may be the, the, the way the child is raised by the style may have more psychological flexibility. The children are encouraged to be independent and are supported so that they're able to adjust situations that do not go as predicted. You know, it's that old concept of that you might be on a, a pathway, you might be on a road to some place, and all of a sudden there's a detour in the road, and you get upset because you're like, oh no, I've got to take this detour, I don't want to go this way, I'm going to be late, I'm not going to go the way that I'm used to, what if it takes me the wrong way? But when you get on those detours, you often find the most interesting things in your life. And it can be the detour that actually sets the, the next step in your life. But when you're over-controlling and you have that psychological inflexibility, you're not going to see it as a possibly good thing. You're going to see it as a negative thing because your past history is going to come into play and it's going to indicate to you how you should behave around it. And that behavior is going to be upset, not being able to see the forest through the trees in a sense, not being able to uh, uh, see the positive that could come out of a change. So when kids are encouraged to be independent and they're given the support that they need to be independent, you're going to see a lot more psychological flexibility on their end. And it comes into their work later. You know, when they're in their jobs, you know, everybody doesn't protect you when you're in your job, you know, like they do as a parent. So kids who go into the workplace and the work environment, and I have a lot of employees myself, and they may have difficulty at times, uh, or let me put it a different way, the, six, the very successful employees that I see, the ones that are independent, you know, have that ability 
to take the detours and and accept them as a fun challenge and not as a uh, an attack on their person or on their on their livelihood or on their life. And so it really and then the ones that are more psychologically inflexible, they're not happy at the work that they're doing because our kids tend to have different responses to the same thing quite often. And so you're like, wait a minute, you didn't respond this way last time. And so if we're pretty consistently putting out there that you know everything always has to go the way that you expect it, then what's going to occur is you're going to have a lot of disappointment. And then you're going to live that disappointment. You're going to think more about that than you are the actual thing that you're trying to accomplish. Which, by the way, they don't put up detour signs unless they've thought ahead about where they're, they're detouring you to. Therefore, you also have to have some faith that the person that's putting on this detour has something in mind also. Like your, like your job, like you know your boss. Your boss may have a different idea than you do. It doesn't mean that your ideas are bad. It doesn't mean that their ideas are better. It just may be different. And because they are the quote-unquote boss, you're going to go that route. So in the workplace, psychological flexibility has been found to improve mental health and absence rates. A mediating variable is job control, which suggests that people have more psychological flexibility when they have more control over their jobs. This is likely due to workers feeling less restricted by what they're allowed to do and more empowered to solve a problem. Longitudinal study on flexibility and job control showed, showed that these variables predicted workers' mental health, job performance, and even the ability to learn new software. The study demonstrates that the power of psychological flexibility in the workplace as psychological flexible workers have better mental health and job performance. Allowing workers more control would likely increase more productivity and it would increase the workers' psychological flexibility. In leadership studies, flexibility is defined as the ability to get along with different groups and adapt to the demands of many organizations. In one aspect of portability, or the ability to acquire skills and move from one company to the next. So what I like about that is that ability to get along with different groups and adapt to the demands of many organizations. That is what shows you as a productive quote-unquote employee or staff person or worker, that you have that ability to take what you've learned from one site and apply it to the next. And that could be within job or from job to job. So psychological flexibility has many aspects that come into play in our lives. You know, we talked about parent-child relationship and how yeah, okay, one thing about that is how you get along with your kid. But another, and I want to give my opinion here, a bigger issue is that that kid who grows up in a psychologically inflexible environment is going to grow up psychologically inflexible himself. 
Therefore, he's going to resist a lot of things that come to him due to past histories that bring him fear, doubt, shame, guilt, and future, which brings him worry, anxiety, and fear. So uh, we're coming up on our first break here. And when we return, I'm going to talk about how psychological flexibility affects your health a bit. I also want to be able to get into our next topic, which is functional contextualism. So, you know, this idea of mindfulness has many different aspects to it. And it's going to take us a while to get through all these ideas to really begin to practice and understand. So we'll be back in a couple minutes and uh, go get yourself a cup of coffee. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having the supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Well, welcome back. I hope you were able to go and get yourself a cup of coffee and do whatever you needed to do. We're we're talking about mindfulness this morning. We're talking about acceptance, commitment therapy, slash training. Um, One of the areas that we discuss and the reason why we get into mindfulness is to help us with what's called psychological flexibility. And we've been doing a lot of discussion this morning about psychological uh, flexibility and inflexibility. Uh, Stephen Hayes has the the best books out there, by the way, in regards to ACT. It's his, it's his baby in the first place. And um, one of the things that I did earlier today was I discussed psychological flexibility in terms of taking a path or taking a road and detours, and that's called a metaphor. And metaphors are really important in regards to understanding psychological flexibility 
And as our time goes on, uh, we will use some metaphor in regards to understanding uh, act better and mindfulness better. One of the areas that, and I wish, this is the only time on the radio where I wish I could show you something, but you can look this up, and it's called the ACT Hexaflex. ACT is A-C-T, of course, so then Hexaflex is H-E-X-A-F-L-E-X. And it's, it's a, an, an image where in the center of the image is either psychological flexibility or psychological inflexibility. Now, I'm first going to talk about the hexaflex of the psychological inflexible individual. And what you see is, the first thing is this dominance of conceptualized past and fears. Now, those fears, those concepts that you've that have sunk into your head have fused into your system so that it becomes a belief system. And that's what we call cognitive fusion. So from the dominance of past fears and hanging on to those is what's called cognitive fusion. That's the hanging on to. Then you begin to look at those concepts that you've created about yourself and the fears that you have, and you attach certain concepts to yourself. What happens then once those attachments to the conceptualized self occur is that there is a movement towards usually a lack of actions, a lack of actions towards your values, the things that are important to you in your life. And with the lack of values, you often will see experiential avoidance where you just really do not want to experience new things for one reason or another, usually anxiety, a failure, or for some reason you've determined that you're not going to do well in something, therefore you avoid it. Just like kids do, you know, and kids get something into their head that they can or can't do something, and when they have these concepts that they are they have failed in the past or that they're going to fail again, they attach that concept to themselves and they usually don't feel like they have much value. They don't have many goals that they set. Therefore, they start to avoid more and more. And then there's a lack of clarity regarding what values are. All of these concepts are part of psychological inflexibility. So at the top of the hexaflex is the dominance of conceptualized past and feared future. Then as you move to the right, and these are all connected. So you have to kind of imagine a hexagon of lines connecting all of these concepts to each other. And I would ask that you would go online and find this hexaflex so that you can see it for yourself. But then we move into a lack of clarity regarding our values, a lack of actions in, directed towards our values. We attach poor concepts to ourselves. We get stuck in our head with these things, which is that cognitive fusion. And then we decide we're not going to uh, uh, dive into new experiences because they're too... Uh, 
too difficult, too scary for us. So, and then this begins to affect us. It affects us in many ways. I talked earlier about the parent-childhood relationship. I talked about work. You know, if you're inflexible and you have no value in regards to what you're doing at your work because you're too caught up in the concerns and, and fears that you may fail, um, very good likelihood that you're not going to do very good at work. And then eventually, with the avoidance, um, the first thing that we utilize as an avoidance technique is usually health. And so that we're not feeling well, and we really will not feel well. Therefore, when we're not feeling well, not doing well, we don't tend to do much. So that experiential avoidance kicks in big time. The ability to cope and be flexible has, was positively associated with the improvement of psychological health. Flexibility reduced depression, anxiety, and stress. And in, depth ex- and in, and in an in-depth experiment, analyzed the relationship between the difficulty identifying and describing feelings and psychological flexibility for men undergoing a particular health screening. Results from that show that the more that psychological flexibility and that ability to describe their 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 feelings, describe and identify the difficulties that they're having, uh, the, allowed them to have a healthier or predictors of better mental health in a sense. So, what are we working towards? In, in regards to acceptance and commitment therapy. Why do we bring it up when we're discussing mindfulness? Structure is very important when you're trying to guide yourself in a different direction. And in the research that I've done over many years, of looking at different techniques that assist people, I really believe that the the number one thing that you're working towards is how do I approach this? How do I, how am I going to enter into this situation? And that is the determinant of a lot of outcomes. So, like, let's talk like behavior plans. You can have like a big, great behavior plan. You can have a wonderful psychological assessment that's done and with intervention ideas. But if the people that are implementing that with you really believe that their outcomes are going to be poor, that they're going to have difficulty with you, that they're going to have challenges. That's going to be the outcome of the situation that they're entering into. You know, in the book, The Secret, that's what's discussed. The way you think is what happens. There, there's the book in a sentence. And it's really important to understand and to believe that if you think about something in a certain direction, that's the direction it's going to go in. You can spend all your time 
trying to think of ways to get around your problem, get around dealing with something, dealing with a person. But if you never examine why you're avoiding that person, why you fear the interaction, why you have anxiety around entering into this new problem-solving event, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's not so important to shame and guilt yourself over the avoidance. Because once you started to avoid and and decide not to have certain experiences, okay, that's your decision. You're there. So now, rather than putting your energy into the guilt and shame around not doing something, let's examine why you didn't do it. Let's not push that to the back of the boat or push that to the back of our head. That is exactly what you need to examine. Once you've made the decision not to do something, you've already done it. So you haven't, you haven't done it. The people that are affected are already affected. And that part's over. So to shame or guilt yourself is only going to truly lead to that cognitive fusion of just not being able to move forward. And you're really going to just stick your head into that hole of negativity. And again, remember in the past, we've talked about letting go of negativity may be as hard as anything because that's your whole persona. That's who you've become. This person that experientially avoids difficulties, you have in your head that you're going to fail and, and the fears and anxieties that come up from future thinking stop you from doing what you're wanting to do. And so what we tend to do is push that feeling down, down, down deep so that we don't feel it. But it's there. It's there rotting at your soul and actually reinforcing your avoidance of things. So the only way to really work with your reasons for psychological inflexibility and avoidance is to take it head on. Okay, so we've come up on our second break. When we come back, I'm going to dive into the six concepts, core concepts of ACT. So we'll be back in a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. 
At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having a supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we are discussing acceptance and commitment therapy we are also discussing mindfulness. Um, over the next year, I'm going to be doing a webinar on the 17th of each month, starting in September. Um, that webinar will be available on our website at totalprograms.org. Uh, it'll also, if I can figure it out, we'll link it in some way to the radio station. Uh, but the webinar will take place. It's called An Evening with Dr. Sean. And each evening we will have a live group of people. We'll also have people that will join us via the, the webinar or via the Internet and um, be able to discuss issues of mindfulness and how they come into our child rearing, how they come into our you know, work with our kids with behavioral challenges, um, different disabilities, learning styles. Um, but it's, again, this focus of our mindfulness work is on how we approach things. So there's not like this particular thing that I'm going to teach you on any particular day or evening that's going to change everything. Uh, for one, who says everything needs to be changed? And secondly, everybody's an individual. So we have to take you know, each person step by step. The first thing to look at, though, for yourself, is to look at yourself as a real person. Stop fantasizing and, and daydreaming about this thing you're supposed to be and look at who you are and what you are because more than likely in listening to this show you're more than five years old and I will say if you've made it through five years of life uh, you've experienced a lot most of you listening are in your 20s, 30s, 40s and above That's a lot of life experience. 
accept that life experience into your life as your true self, not what you've imagined or what you were supposed to or what others have told you should, but you are what you are. And the thing about ACT, acceptance, commitment, therapy, and training, is it takes you from where you are and does not put into place any level of repression or avoidance. In other words, you're going to look at what's going on in your life head on. You're not going to avoid. So let's talk a little bit again about what, what is the main goal of acceptance and commitment therapy. It really is to increase psychological flexibility. ACT is a form of therapy that aims to help people accept unavoidable events identify actions that will lead to goals, and acknowledge thoughts rather than accepting or disregarding them. So often, we just want to turn off this light bulb and make the thought go away. There's even a song in the Book of Mormon. I think it's called Turn It Off or something like that. But that's what it's about. It's like this ability to just not think about something and the Book of Mormon being the musical not the actual Book of Mormon just to clarify that <laughs> we can't just turn off our thoughts they're there to support us not to hurt us we want to learn from our past not fear our future but once our past is past, what is the definition of past? Well, I don't have a dictionary in front of me, but it's pretty much that it's over. You can't go back to it. You might not be happy with it. Examine that. You might not remember all of it. Examine that. When you're in the midst of a crisis, you're not going to be able to do much thinking. But after it, look at what was were some of the things that prompted your head to go into that event. The first thing is to say to yourself, you didn't avoid it. You did it. You entered into a task that was difficult, even though you knew it it would be near enough impossible. In Buddhism, the Bodhisattva is the warrior helper. It's the person that continually goes into battle knowing that they're going to have very big challenges, but they show up anyways. The Bodhisattva is able to self-examine. That's the Buddha part. You may have been taught to not feel, not emote, not think about, disregard, leave alone, repress. And you're going to have to teach yourself the opposite. Be open to your thoughts. Listen to yourself. Think the thoughts that scare you because the thoughts that scare you 
the more you think about them, you might be able to look at what the reality is in those fears and what the irrationality is in those fears. Again, ACT is a form of therapy that aims to help people accept unavoidable events, identify actions that will lead to goals and acknowledge thoughts rather than accepting or disregarding them. When psychological flexibility was targeted in one study of ACT, there was a stronger reduction in psychological distress. Now, there are six core processes in ACT. Acceptance, cognitive diffusion, self as context, being present, values, and committed action. Now, we've talked about some of these concepts briefly, but I'm going to define each of the six core areas. Acceptance is taught in order to teach people to embrace their emotions rather than trying to get rid of them. An example of acceptance would be when people feel angry and then choose to focus on the anger and accept that they are angry rather than trying to unleash their anger to get rid of it. Now let me read that again. An example of acceptance would be when people feel angry and then choose to focus their anger and accept that they are angry rather than trying to unleash their anger to get it, get rid of it. And sometimes, you know, the, 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 the honest statement is when we're angry, we might want everybody else to feel angry too. So our main goal becomes making other people angry also rather than examining what has angered us. It's a big difference there. Because one, frankly, you're going to be able to get along with people, and the other, you're not. And then when you're not getting along with people, you're going to avoid them and put the blame and the shame and the guilt on them, saying that it's they are the reason why you are successful, not successful, and they're the reason they made you angry. All of us have had arguments. We've had arguments with our friends, our siblings. We've had arguments with our parents. We've had arguments with our spouses. When you can explain to the other person what's making you angry, you're less likely to engage in an agitated conflict with them, for one, and you're probably going to move towards some kind of problem resolution a lot faster than you would if you just simply got angry at them. Because it is a lot easier. I say simply got angry at them. It's a lot easier just to explode on somebody than to self-reflect and decide what it is that has angered you. Because frankly, most of the time when we're angry about something, it dives into those self-concepts that we've created about ourselves. And in that hexaflex, we talked about very specifically attachment to a conceptualized self. So we start to believe 
that we are what we are. I brought this up before. It's not a metaphor, but if we look at the musical Wicked, she was born green due to her mother ingesting a formula and she was thought to be quote unquote wicked because she was green. Well, she was a nice little girl and she tried to grow up being sweet and kind to others, but they kept telling her she was wicked because she was green. So she finally decided to be wicked and to live the conceptualized self that had been placed into her head. So you can allow that in your life. You can allow others to determine who you are and what you are. Some people are okay with that. For most, though, it leads to a lot of self-doubt, upsetness, unhappy with self. And you kind of stick in that area of this is who I am. You create this what is our next step in our our discussion, which is called cognitive fusion. In cognitive fusion, we have cemented this self that we've created through our own self-doubts and concepts that we're, we've created, concepts we've taken on from other people. So, again, we can make the choice to embrace other people's emotions, but the goal of acceptance is to embrace your own rather than trying to get rid of them. And once you've accepted them, to observe why you may be feeling that way and how it affects you. So we've come to a a break time. We will return to talk about cognitive diffusion and a little bit more in regards to acceptance and commitment therapy. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having the supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. 
Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, welcome back. Uh, I just want to remind the listener that once again, uh, starting on September 17th and every 17th of the month from September to June, we will be doing a, we're calling it an evening with Dr. Sean, and we will be discussing mindfulness, ACT, Applied behavior analysis, challenges at home, challenges at work, challenges with self, successes at home, successes at work, successes with yourself, because we're not going to get caught up in just thinking about all of our negatives. Now, that will be live at our office in Sierra Madre, so if you are in the area, please come. You can email me at seansurface at totalprograms.org if you're interested. Please do. We can also set you up with a link for the webinar. If you are unable to attend, you will uh, physically at the office, you can see it on live on the webinar or see the recorded later. Okay, so... We've been talking about the six core areas of ACT, and we talked about acceptance, and we were talking about anger. And and by the way, you know, anger is something that occurs, okay, and it occurs for a reason. Uh, It's something that is not sitting right with you for one reason or another, and therefore you want to change. You want something different to occur, and you're seeing limits in those changes and that's what's upsetting so being angry is not a bad thing but taking the anger out on somebody believing that they are the cause of the anger is not going to be too utilitarian for you you're not going to find much use in that now but anger you can look at 
the, the areas that are angering you personally, individually, and see which of those areas are things that are changeable and which are not. But continue to look at and accept the fact that, okay, this has made you upset. This has made you angry. But some people, when they get angry, they feel like they have to stay angry in order to make a point. I'm not exactly sure who they're making the point to. Because anger is an internal thing, unless you're acting out. And that's what we see with the kids. We see with our kids a lot of acting out because they can't explain how they're feeling. They can't keep it inside either. They don't want to repress it. They want it out of their system. And that's good because it becomes fused in their belief as a person if they don't get it out of their system. But our goal is to help them problem solve and to allow them to explore some of the reasons why things are working or not working for them. Now, cognitive diffusion teaches people not to take their thoughts as literal in order to decrease the believability of negative thoughts and increase flexibility to behave as they want. An example of cognitive diffusion would be if somebody thinks like, I'm the worst, but rather than saying, you know, I'm the worst, because then what they do is they notice that thought for what it is. Frankly, what that thought is for what it is, is just mere words. Perhaps by saying to themselves, I'm having a thought that I'm the worst. This is in contrast to a cognitive therapy approach where the person might, cha might challenge the thought by thinking of things in which he or she excels. So in order, in cognitive therapy, you would say, I'm not the worst, I do this and I do this and I do this. But with ACT, I, I, we want to look at why do you have this concept that you're the worst? So that people tell you that you're good? So that people tell you that you're not the worst? So that you can relieve yourself in some way? Examine it. Remember that once we've created ourselves as a downtrodden, you know, hurt upon person, uh, it's hard to let go of that persona. So is that why you're saying to yourself you're the worst? Because saying anything positive about yourself would disrupt yourself as context. Now let's look at that. Self as context attempts to have people create an awareness of their own experiences without being attached to them. This process is done in order to help people go from specific content and experience themselves. So let me say it again. It's an awareness of their own experiences without being attached to them. So you can have something that occurs, but it's not necessarily that you're the cause of all of it. Okay? And we'll talk more about self as concept, context on, on the next show. We're going to go through the sixth core again. But to, to move on... The third area, or the fourth area, is being present. 
it teaches people to directly experience the world by paying attention to the moment and being aware. Now, this is how we started all of our discussion, was by looking at Eckhart Tolle's work, uh, being the power of now, being present. And an example of being present would be meditation and mindfulness. So it's so important to be in the now because you cannot change the past and you have no idea what's going to occur in the future. You can come up with concepts that you believe, but usually those are not going to be the case. Now next, values. Values teach people to take actions for those qualities. An example of this is somebody who chooses to continue to improve on being a father by reliving I'm sorry, who chooses to continue to improve on being a father, but he does that by remembering how his own childhood was really difficult and maybe his own father wasn't so great, so he's going to do the opposite of him. And the purpose is not to encourage pain, but to rather allow people to deal with the pain for a valued choice, such as I'm going to be a good father. So I can make choices that I'm going to be different than a person and break a pattern. Lastly, we have a committed action. And that committed action teaches people to make change in behavior in order for them to reach those chosen qualities. Committed action involves identifying psychological barriers that would interfere with short, medium, and longer term goals, and then working through those barriers in order to reach those goals. So when we look at the hexaflex for psychological flexibility, we see at the top, present moment awareness, then we move to the right into values, then we look at our areas of being able to cognitively diffuse, we look at self as context, and then acceptance. Unfortunately, we have come to the end of our show. We don't really have any further time, but next time we will continue our discussion on ACT, mindfulness, and move more into the areas of contextualism. So thank you for today. Remember that on Strategies and Solutions, Living the Challenge with Dr. Sean, we're about your successes and know that each day can be the new future you dream of having in your life. We'll see you next time. Blessings. Thanks so much for listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the challenge. Be sure to join us again next Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.